is everybody this morning? Good, good. Thank you all all for coming in this morning and to everybody who's joining in with us online. We, we definitely appreciate um, everybody that supports us here at the church. Um, I just wanted to start off this morning again with just thanking the church and the elders for allowing me the opportunity to give the message here this morning and, and I just really appreciate um, the time that, that I get to spend um, in preparing these sermons, so I really do appreciate it. And Kathy, once again, the music this morning was beautiful. Thank you very much. So, um, With that being said, I've got a lot that I want to get to, so I'm going to jump right in. If we'll uh, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And I've got the words on the screen. We're going to be reading from Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. And it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded their country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened. Will you please pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for this opportunity to share your message this morning. I pray that you let your words flow through me and use me as a beacon to shine your light. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. So this morning's message is going to be talking about Gideon in the Old Testament. But before we get to Gideon's heroic periods in his life, I think it's important to understand where he came from and learn more about where the place he got to, um, the, uh, learn about more about where he came from um, and how he got to the place of his heroics as we know him. I think there are a lot of us in the room that can relate to where Gideon has come from. But I want you to understand that it's not about where you came from it's about where you are going. Not always does where you come from define who you are. You see, the Israelites were given a mighty nation from God, being delivered from the Egyptians, but given a clear message in this scripture. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites. Yet they did not listen. And because they did not listen, the Midianites had control over them and their land. It says that the Israelites hid in caves. When they tried to come out to plant, 
the Midianites destroyed all of their crops and ruined all of their hopes and dreams. They were like swarms of locusts, impossible to count, and as far as the eye could see, always waiting in the midst of the Israelites' hope to crush them and oppress them. And to me, this sounds very familiar in our lives today. God has given us clear guidelines of what to do and what not to do in our lives, but we don't always listen to him. He tells us to listen to his word, yet there are times we choose not to. He tells us not to covet, to not be jealous, to be slow to anger, to do things in moderation, but many times we do the exact opposite. You see, the Israelite standpoint, they were worshiping gods before the one true God, and they were punished. God allowed the Midianites to oppress them due to their disobedience. The Midianites destroyed their hopes, their dreams, and the Israelites resorted to the only thing they thought would keep them alive, hiding. And I want you to understand that there are similarities to the oppression that our sin and our disobedience has on our lives. You see, due to the new covenant, I see our God as a caring God that wants us to be removed from the oppression that our sin causes us. But daily, we choose this oppression. You see, when we become jealous and covet, we grow cold hearts to one another. <clears throat> when we are quick to anger, we do not show the patience that God has for us. When we don't do things in moderation, we lose control, become reckless, and become greedy. These sins accumulate to a loss of hope and a loss of dreams. We lose faith and confidence in ourselves, and we lose faith that God has a direction in our lives. And we too resort to hiding the light that God has in our life, in our lives, similar to the Israelites. But what I love about our God is that in each of our individual stories, no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, God can call you up at any point in time to lift you out of the place you are at and place you exactly where he needs you. I think a lot of times we confuse where we are with our life, in our lives and we confuse that with who we are in our lives. But God never forgets. He doesn't forget his creations no matter how far we wander from him. In Judges chapter, 11, or chapter 6 verses 11 and 12 it says, The angel of the Lord then came down and sat under the oak in Orphrah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. We can see here that Gideon's first record in the Bible is of him hiding, just trying to provide food for his people. When the angel of the Lord recognizes him as a warrior, and you'd think he may just immediately get up, grab a sword, and just go right to swinging it, right? Wrong. Actually, Gideon does what a lot of us fall guilty of. He pardons the Lord, and he delays the blessings that the Lord has on his life. In verse 13, it says, Pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us. Does this not sound sometimes familiar in our lives? Pardon me, Lord, I have some questions. Why did all of these things happen? Why was my childhood the way it was? Why do I feel like you left me? Why wasn't I made different, prettier, stronger, smarter? Why can't I succeed? But you see, the Lord doesn't see it this way. The Lord sees it as your time to shine. But we usually end up, just like Gideon, delaying the blessings that God has for us with our disbelief. The Lord then turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not the one sending you? And yet Gideon once again in verse 15 says, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My family is the weakest and I am the least in my family. My family is not good and I am the weakest and the least in my family. You see, Gideon's probably thinking at this point, God, you see me hiding in a wine press. I'm just trying to provide food for my family. I'm not a warrior. I'm not a fighter. And for us, this sometimes sounds like I'm not from the best family. My family doesn't have any money. My family hasn't succeeded. I'm not from the best school. I'm not from a place where people succeed. But what you don't understand is that God knows where he has placed you in, in your life. We question him about the direction he has for us like he knows nothing about us. We sometimes act like God is calling on a stranger to do a miracle. Yes, we may have made the wrong, some not the best decisions in our lives that have taken us off of the path that God has for us, But God knows exactly where we are, and sometimes we think we're in a place that God could not reach out to us. But if we, don't, if we realize this, Gideon is in the same exact position that some of us may be feeling if we feel like we are in that spot. Gideon hadn't done anything special before God had called on him. He was simply hiding and trying to survive. You see, God has a special calling for each of us. And the reason I know that it's for each of us is because he is the one that created us. He has made us perfectly how we each need to be to do his will in our life. And maybe the reason we don't feel like we're succeeding is because we're not doing God's will in our life. In the next part of the scripture, Gideon needs some proof. So he asks God to set an offering on fire. He tells the angel of the Lord, wait for him while he makes an altar. Sometimes this may sound like in our lives, wait, God, I just want to see if this job pans out. Wait, dear Lord, I, I kind of like the sin that I'm in right now. Wait, God, I don't know if I really need you right now. Delaying his blessings that he has for us. So then Gideon breaks down a ball altar, earns the name Drew Ball, and God lights his offering on fire. But that isn't enough. So he asked God to wet a fleece and leave the ground around it dry. He then asked God to do the opposite, and he asked God to make the ground around the fleece wet and leave the fleece dry. Just like we ask God for things we know we don't need in our life, just to see if God is listening. 
Nothing wrong with that. It's just our human nature. We're just delaying the blessings that God has for us. And I'm thankful that our God is a patient God who answers our requests just like he answers Gideon because I know that he wants us to believe in him. So now that Gideon is a believer, he becomes a warrior. He summons a mighty army, and he's ready to go fight the Midianites. He's on the right track, he believes in the Lord, and he's doing what he's told. But watch what happens in Judges chapter 7. It says, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was to the north of them, near the valley, or in the valley near the hill of Morah. God, Gideon saying, I'm positioned where I need to be to strike. I'm about to take back your land. Let's go do it. But the Lord says something very odd to Gideon. He says, you have too many men. Hang on a second. Let's go back to the pardoning. Pardoning. So God's saying, I have too many men. He asked me to be a warrior. I'm a warrior. I asked him to wet a fleece. He wetted it. We have an agreement. We're in this together, right? Now you want to leave me dry, hanging dry with less men when I'm about to go to a war where the enemy looks like a swarm of locusts. I don't understand. But listen to God's reasoning in the second part of verse 2. The Lord replies, I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or into their hands, or Israel will boast against me. They will think it is their own strength that saved them. To us, if it seems too feasible, no one will believe it was God working in our lives. If you thought you were strong enough, you wouldn't believe that you needed God's power. If you have too many men, people won't believe that it was God that was helping you. If you are in a better position to succeed, you wouldn't think that God had power over your life. Church, losing something that gave us strength in our life isn't always a detriment. But we need to understand that our limitations are not our weakness. Our limitations are God's doorway to show his power in your life. Gideon's position in his life was not ideal to conquer a nation, but with God's power, we can conquer anything. And I want to point out, that there is a difference in the oppression that our sin causes versus the limitations that we feel are in our life. You see, the sin is our decision. The limitations we feel may be God's decision, and that may be God's doorway to show you his power in your life. So Gideon agrees, and he tells his army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. So 22,000 men turned away and left while only 10,000 remained. But the Lord said, there are still too many men. You still have too much in your life that people won't believe it's God working. You need to be more limited so people will believe God is, it's God's strength. So then through a test at the spring, Gideon sent all but 300 men home. He went from 32,000 men to go into an army down to just 300. And God gives Gideon some odd advice next. In verse 10 and 11, it says, If you, Gideon, are afraid to attack, and this is the Lord speaking to Gideon, If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp and listen 
to what your enemies are telling or saying about you. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. If you getting into or trembling like the men who just sent, you just sent home, which makes sense because he's been hiding all of his life, if you don't believe what God calls you, maybe you need to compare it to what the enemy is saying about you. So Gideon listens and goes down to the camp, a camp of enemies that look as thick as locusts. And he comes across a man telling a dream. And the man says, I had a dream that a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the camp and struck the tents with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And his friend replied, as we are all probably thinking, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon. And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. Thank God I got called a piece of bread and not a warrior, because that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I don't think I'm a warrior, but hey, a piece of bread, that may be believable. So, that, uh, but I'll show you why that's important before we close. But more important than being called a piece of bread, thank God that my enemies are trembling too. Thank God that my enemy is fearful. And I got news for you, church. Your enemies are fearful of you too. If the devil thought that you were worthless, he wouldn't be attacking you and tempting you and trying to take you off of your path with God. Because if you stay on your path with God, and do his will in your life, you'll accomplish more than you'll ever dream of. Then Gideon returned to the camp and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianites' camp into your hands, and the Israelites' land was reclaimed. Amen. You see, the enemy didn't call Gideon a mighty warrior, but God did. Gideon didn't see himself as a warrior. I mean, look at where he came from. He didn't train for any of this. The enemy didn't picture Gideon as an impossible feat, but something ordinary and simple, a loaf of bread. But Gideon understood something in this moment that we all need to realize. It doesn't matter how the enemy sees us. It doesn't matter what the enemy calls us. It doesn't matter how we see ourselves. It doesn't matter where we are in our lives. It doesn't matter where we came from or where we've been or the limitations that we feel are in our lives. What matters is ultimately God sees his creation and God, God can use his creation to do his will in our lives. Church, if you'll please stand with me. We're about to open the altar for invitation and I'm about to close, but I wanted to share one last thing with you. I listened to a video that gave the perfect illustration for this message. And the pastor said, if a piece of bread can knock down an entire camp as thick as locusts, how fast did the bread have to be moving? He said it's not about the bread, but it's about God being the wind behind the bread. You see, Gideon realized that he was the weapon, but God was the wind behind him. Church, you too are a weapon. No matter what you feel your limitations are, no matter how you see yourself, bread, sword, or warrior, that doesn't matter. 
What matters is how God is using you, is how God is going to use you as his weapon if you will allow him. If you need prayer to gather strength to become a weapon of God this morning, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. If you would like to claim a church as your home, we would love to invite you with open arms. And if you would like to invite our Savior into your heart, please come forward. He is calling you out of hiding. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. As some people may be out in the world thinking, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I wasn't prepared for this and I didn't train for this. I didn't come from something that would be meaningful, dear God. I don't believe in myself and I see myself as worthless. Dear God, I pray that you lift them up out of that place and you show them the strength that you can give them if, you, if they do your will in your life. I pray that you watch over us, keep us safe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.